Joyce, I appreciate you sharing that. You know, you could sit there and hear the breath thing, and you could have some thoughts come into your mind that that sounds a little New Age-ish. Well, I hope so, because we are in a New Age. Okay, so this stuff that's been stolen by a movement called New Age, there is some truth in it. Okay, deception isn't an outright lie. So someone comes up to me and says, Mark, you're really tall. That's an obvious lie, right? Deception is there's some truth in it. You get what I'm saying? And the enemy cannot create, my understanding right now is the enemy cannot create on his own. But he can manipulate what God does. You know that there's, there's Satanists that pray in tongues. Did you know that? You know they can manipulate matter. Did you know that? Look at the book of Genesis. It's in Scripture. I'm not going outside of Scripture. But that's another thing. You know that the Bible says if everything Jesus did was written in books, there wouldn't be enough books in the world. So why do we think that everything's in here? It's an egoic, it's, it's an ego thing that Satan's brought in. So any truth that doesn't fit our current understanding, it's actually scientifically proven that you most of the time reject it unless you are humble. You just reject it. If it doesn't meet what's already in my mind, it's weird. Forget it. And you know what's the powerful thing? You know the Bible says be still and experience God? You know the Bible teaches that you have to be still to experience Him? And so what's interesting about being still and, and you start to recognize your mind, you got to think this way. If I'm seeing and recognizing my thoughts, what is it that's recognizing my thoughts? Are you with me? How can I recognize my thoughts? Because my thoughts aren't me. Guys, this is just a simple, simple baby step into actually being what the Bible calls spiritual. Now in the West, what I've seen, we've made spirituality morality. Somebody reads their Bible a lot, they're committed at church, um, they serve, and they're just good people. That's a spiritual person. And they may not be doing any of that out of the Spirit. Am I making sense? So what happens when you're still, you start to see your mind go crazy, and what you start to realize is, oh my word, 95% of my life is lived out of my mind, which is just pre-programmed by what I've experienced and been taught. So if you want, and I'm not, I'm not judging, I'm not trying to be religious, but if you allow a lot of TV, media, news, we grew up in school, how many of you went to a school? Sorry, your mind was programmed by school, whatever one. Programmed by the way you were raised, and we live out of that. And we try to do Christianity out of our pre-programmed mind, and God is what? Is God mind, or is he spirit? And he's, he says, I don't, man looks at the outward, but I look at the heart. And what you realize is when you're still, if you can do it, and in the way, I'm telling you, it's hard to be still. Because when the mind starts to lose its control, you start to drop into your heart where there may be some pain in there that your ego, your mind is, is keeping out of control so you don't have to live out of it. But then what will happen is when anything triggers that pain, you'll react in anger or, or whatever it is. You'll shut down. Am I making sense? And by the way, where does the Spirit of God dwell? 
you, you want me to really freak you out? Did you know that you don't have your own spirit anymore? There's not your spirit in the Holy Spirit. Did you know that there's not... Did you know that there's not your spirit and the Holy Spirit and they're separate now? Did you know that? He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So the Holy Spirit doesn't live in me and then my spirit. They are one now. So I am forever one with him. I don't have my own spirit anymore. So I'm sensing in my spirit, I can say I'm sensing in the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing. You guys with me? Your spirit is made of light. You are a light being. But when you allow your mind, you live out of your mind, that light is totally dimmed and pushed in. And so the indescribable joy that the scriptures talk about, we don't experience because it's not here. The indescribable joy is not here. It's here. It's in my heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth will speak. Ruach, it's the word for breath. She, she talked about breathing, and that can seem weird, but what you've got to realize is the Hebrew and Greek word for spirit is the same word for breath. Your breath and spirit are very connected. And Nathan came up to me, and it's funny, because what he said to me, I was thinking, in Genesis 2, you know, God created everything by speaking it, Right? What's the first thing he created, by the way? Let there be. Where in the world did that light come from? Did you know in Scripture in the New Testament, there's three things God is. God is light. Now, the way we've been programmed in the West and the way I've always thought of that is, yeah, he doesn't sin. No, literally, he is creative light, not created light. Those are different things. And in a subatomic level, everything's made of energy and light. Did you know that? But a carnal mind cannot receive what I just said. Because a carnal mind doesn't just mean I'm lustful. It means I only live by what I can see, feel, taste, touch, hear. So a carnal mind cannot receive any of the things I'm saying right now. And and, and that's, you're not supposed to live out of that anymore. You have to have an expanded consciousness. It's called the mind of Christ. Where you do crazy things that doesn't make sense to the consciousness of this world. Like love those that hate you. And you can't try to do that. You are that. You are love now. And the only thing blocking you from the life of God within you, according to Ephesians, is your mind. Is your thoughts. He literally says it's your distorted thinking that separates you from the life of God within you. Even the concept of separation from God is a carnal thought. If I am one spirit with him, then how am I separated from him? So this idea that I've got to seek him to get closer to him, if I'm not separated from him, that doesn't make sense. I've got to get out of my mind and into my heart where he dwells. That's what's got to happen. And you'll start having things erupt inside of you you didn't even know were there. Joy, laughter, love will be birthed in you through you. 
So now you're walking around not trying to love because your pastor tells you to or the Bible tells you to. It's what flows out of you. And it's called rest. So God is light. He speaks things into creation. Boom, and it's there. But then he does something very, very... By the way, was there any death when he created in the first six days? Was there any death yet? So what's the dust that he made Adam's body out of? You ever thought about that? There's no decay, there's no death. Where's, what's the dust? Dude, I think these thoughts sometimes. I actually heard a guy talking about it and it blew my mind, which is good. It's expanding my, getting me out of my normal, intellectual, comfortable mind that is separated from God. I think we would be shocked if the Lord unveiled what Adam and Eve really looked like and how they lived. Because I believe they lived as a spirit being out of a physical body. But their spirits dominated their body even. That's why they didn't know they were naked. Listen to this, though. When he, when he creates Adam, if, if this is true in Scripture, if we really believe this, then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground, and here it is, he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He took his face he opened his mouth and breathed into Adam his very life, breath. And Adam suddenly became a living being. Made in the image of who? Yahweh. Yahweh is light. Yahweh is spirit, according to John. And Yahweh is love. Adam was all of those things fully. Now, I have a, this, I cannot literally prove this by showing you a verse, but who named the animals? Did Yahweh do that, or did the son of Yahweh do it? Okay, so I'll bring my son out, and we'll be work, or any of my kids will be working on something, and I don't know any of you that have kids, if you struggle with this, they'll do it in a way that I wouldn't do it, and so I immediately, I immediately want to interrupt Hey, don't do it that way. Do it this way, because this way is better, and they don't ever learn from it. Yahweh didn't do that with Adam. Here's what I think. I don't think a tiger came up to Adam. He's like, yeah, you look like a tiger, so I'll call you tiger. He's made in the image of God, image of Yahweh. Yahweh is love, so when he speaks from love, it creates. I believe what he spoke over animals formed them into what they are. And that's the power when you live out of the image of God. Your words can create. I can speak over you. When I do it from love, it creates in you. By the way, the enemy can manipulate, right? So can he create? Yeah, he can create death in you. How many of us have said, you'll never amount to anything. You're not good at anything. You're ugly. And we'll have words in our own head speaking to ourselves. We'll look in the mirror and say that stuff over us. And it creates a reality within us. By the way, another thing, Adam is love, and we get this idea because we read scripture and we think, well, he had to give him Eve because he was lonely and there was nobody like him and he needed somebody. Well, if he needed somebody, then he's only as good as Eve's doing. That doesn't make sense. So why in the world did he need Eve? 
Because he's made in the image of who? And Yahweh is love. And love has to be expressed. The only reason Eve was created is so Adam had someone that he could pour who he is into. By the way, Yahweh wasn't walking with him in the garden and saying, now remember, you got to love your wife, buddy. See, he didn't live out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so it didn't even cross his mind not to love because it's just who he is. You see where Yahweh wants to take us? And I'm, I'm just going to say this, and Todd lets me do it, so I'm just going to say it. A lot of what we created in church keeps us from what I'm talking about, though. A lot of times we get these lit, and we'll, we'll preach four-point series on how to love your wife, and none of it will have to do with letting the love of God flow through you. <coughs> Are you guys with me? This stuff drives me nuts because it does not produce any freedom. All it does is produce more condemnation. And then you live more out of the intellect. Oh, I know I need to love my wife right now. And they know it's fake. You really want to know if you're being fake, ask your kids. They'll tell you. They will, right? Because they're real. We got to be childlike. You know what's interesting is Jesus raises from the dead. And he hangs out with the disciples. He actually walks through a wall. Which, by the way, did you know that after... Think about this. Because we have a whole sect of Christianity in America that uh, does not talk about the Holy Spirit. But you know what's interesting? In the book of Acts, after Jesus rose from the dead, he gave commandments by the Holy Spirit. Did you know it says that? Why did he give commandments by the Holy Spirit after he's risen from the dead? Because he became one with the Holy Spirit when he was on the earth. He's a... Yeah, anyway. John chapter 20. You guys with me still? On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. Now again, could you imagine if I, you see a physical man that was with you die? You saw him die, the worst death ever. And you've got random people telling you, man, I saw him, he's alive. What do you think they're afraid of, by the way? It says, for fear of the Jews, they locked themselves away. What do you think they were really afraid of? Any ideas? Did I put you all to sleep already? They were afraid of what? They were afraid of death. They were afraid of being tortured and dying. The fear of death dominates humanity. Do we need proof? How many, and, and this is, see, you, we've, this is another thing, like, I've realized that in the secular world and business, your boss can come up to you and share with you things you're not doing well, and we take it and we learn and we grow, but when you do it here, it's like we all get really offended. So I'm not saying this to condemn anybody, but how many of us got caught up in fear when the coronavirus came out? Which there's a perp, there's an agenda behind, they want, people, principalities want us in fear. Okay? The God of this world that runs through the systems of this world wants us afraid. And it's a good thing. Realize, Yahweh, I'm still terrified of death. You have to help me understand. I'm terrified of it. I'll do anything to save my life, and you said I got to lose it. So they're afraid of death. 
Peter denies the Lord to a servant girl three times. And then in the book of Acts, he's preaching to the very people that had him killed, boldly saying, you need to repent. What's the difference? The difference is what I'm about to read to you. And then the baptism of the Holy Spirit coming upon him. The difference is the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. So he shows up in this locked room. And he says, peace be with you. Which you've got to understand, when Jesus speaks, there's, there's substance in his words. So when he spoke over them, peace be with you, guess what they felt tangibly? Why do you think they were in awe of his words that he spoke? We've never heard someone speak with such authority. We think it's stuff he said. Guys, they didn't have a clue what he was saying. Because he spoke from a different consciousness. So he had to dumb everything down. The eye is the lamp of the body. If you have a single eye, your body will be full of light. What does that mean? Do you have any idea what that actually means spiritually? See what I'm saying? He said some weird things. You've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And I think we think now that we've got the whole Bible, we know what he actually meant by that. So when he said, peace be with you, you've got to understand these terrified men, women in this room, this tangible shalom, well-being, wholeness came over them. Tangible, felt and experienced. Because the Hebrew way of knowing things is through experience. Yeshua said eternal life is going to heaven forever and ever, and that's the goal of everything is that we go to heaven. In John 17, 3, he did not say that. He told us what eternal life is. It's knowing God and me through experience, the way a woman and man know each other and get pregnant. So we were at, my son has a buddy, and he's got a lake house. And I'm not typically like, like you'll have guys that are, I got a friend of mine, we went tubing with him the other weekend. He's just nuts. He's not afraid of anything. He'll go nuts on a tube. He just doesn't care. He doesn't think. He just doesn't care. Backflips off of stuff. I'm not naturally that type of guy. But they had this roof thing down by the lake, and his buddy, Isaiah's eight, so his buddy that's eight jumped off of it. And I'm like, man. And then I watched his dad do it, so I'm like, I'm doing it. So I'd run up there and get on the roof. Jess is on the other side of the dock, and the wife of the Isaiah's buddy goes, is your husband kind of nuts and not afraid of things? And she's like, no, not Mark. He's not really like that. <laughs> well, he's up on the roof, and Jess goes, well, he is very competitive. Did your son jump off of it? She was dead on. <laughs> By the way, Jess and I can be in a This is how real this stuff is. We can be in a room together, and I can look at her and just know what she's thinking. You, husbands and wives know what I'm talking about? They don't even have to say a word. If they want to leave somewhere, you know it. You can feel it. Because we know each other through experience. And our kids, your kids will learn about you and know I asked mom, she said no, but dad usually says yes this, so I'm going to go run to him. <laughs> right? That always works out well. Daddy said we could. I just told you we couldn't. I didn't know that. <laughs> Smart. So anyway, I'm up there, and I'm like, man, when I was up there, and, and trust me, it's not that high. So you're, if you were to be there, you'd be like, oh, my word, Mark, that's nothing. But I look down, I'm like, man, now I'm up here. I got to do this. So I run and jump off. So then my daughter, my oldest daughter gets up there. And I could tell when she was climbing up there, I'm like, man, she is, she's a little nervous. So she gets up there, and I'm like, Callie, trust me, when you jump off of here and experience this, you're going to be doing it all day. 
I don't know. I want to get down. I want to get down. I'm like, Callie, trust me. You, you jump first, Dad. Okay, so I jumped off, and I was waiting for her out there. And then the, Isaiah's buddy's dad came up, and Callie's like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, trust me, once you experience this, know it through experience. Because I can tell you what it's all about. Tell you how fun it is, how the water feels when you hit it, which actually didn't feel that good. And she kept saying, well, is it deep enough? Is it deep enough? Yes, it's deep enough. Well, how do you know? Well, I just jumped in. It's deep enough. You're going to be fine. And so she held the guy's hand and jumped off of it and, ex- and knew what it felt like through experience. And listen to me, it changed her. Next thing I know, we had to tell her to calm down. She's up there running off of it, jumping off of it nonstop. She did it nonstop. And she was doing backflips off this little diving board thing because she... That's what you have to know the things I'm telling you through experience, okay? The intellectual understanding of Yahweh does nothing but build pride. And when somebody speaks or brings an aspect of Yahweh that you don't know here, you'll reject it. It actually does worse. And I think you're held accountable in a way for what you know here. Think about it. Have you ever been somewhere and someone's talking about God and you're like, they don't. They don't know him. Not in a judgmental way. There's not, they just don't know him. And then somebody could say two words. Man, does he love you. And it just comes into the room and their eyes are full of light. Because they know him. And this crazy thing happens when you get to know him through experience. You start to become like the one you know. And actually, if you read the Gospels through the lens I just told you, you'll see that towards the end, these guys were changing. So they're freaked out. He shows up. When he released peace over them, he showed them his hands and his side. (laughs) Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. By the way, you know there was an... When Peter showed up to the door in the book of Acts, angelic encounters were so common that they just thought he was his angel. Why was it so real then? Why is it so real in other countries? And then we'll tell our kids when they have a nightmare, they say there's monsters in their room. No, you're just imagining that. What if they're really seeing something because they're kids and they can see? I'll meditate with my kids at night. I don't, make it a, I don't do it every night. I don't, I don't make it a religion. Every night we're going to meditate like this because it can just become. But one night, Callie and I were meditating. I said, I want you with the eyes of your heart to see Jesus. We both saw him in the identical spot. Stuff is real. Your heart is a real spiritual organ that can see. Paul prays that the eyes of your heart would be opened and enlightened. That you would have spiritual wisdom and understanding. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Why did he breathe on them? What did we just read in Genesis 2? God breathed himself. By the way, he literally breathed himself into Adam. So when he looked at Adam and said it's very good, it's because he was looking at himself. And you do realize that angels 
And even demons, when they look at you, if you're born from above, they know it and they see it. But they'll see if they, if they have your understanding darkened, they're not afraid of you. And they'll let us do this all day. They'll let us speak out of our darkened understanding. They'll let us teach the They're not afraid of Bible studies. Mark, are you saying Bible studies are wrong? No, again, you're going tree of knowledge of good and evil. You're trying to, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is Bible study alone, no one's afraid of that. What they're terrified of is us actually becoming born from above, full with the fullness of Christ. Where we walk into a room, we don't try to shift atmospheres. Man, have you gone through those classes and done that in the charismatic movement and you're busy trying to change atmospheres? Stop trying to do it. Just be him. He is the great I am. He exists in the present moment with you now. And when you're still, you start to touch that, and it freaks you out a little bit. And all of a sudden, your mind, you see your program thoughts as little kids trying to annoy you, and they lose their control, and you start to get a renewed mind. You can't renew your own mind. So the breath thing is a big deal. It's not weird. It's not new age. It's spiritual. I almost... I was hanging out with Yerick and another friend of ours, and I was like, man, I think, um, like, could you imagine, I was like, I, if I was leading a church right now, I would probably say something like this. This just thought hit me. And I'd have everybody raise their hand if you've been in church for a year or more, and I'd say, let's say 100% of the people raise their hands. Okay, so you've heard a ton of this, all right? So what we're gonna do for the next year is we're going to learn how to meditate and actually connect with the divine spirit that we call God. And we're going to learn how to meditate on this. And then we'll see, once we learn that for a year, we'll see what this actually is saying. And I guarantee you what would happen if a group of people practice that. By the way, you do know, just feel like I need to clarify this because I can feel this is full of scripture that teaches you to meditate. It never says to just read it. So everything I'm telling you is biblical. What do you think Jesus did at night when he went to be alone with the Father? What do you think Paul did when he's in his jail cell? Think on these things. In that word, the Hebraic way is meditation. You would have people, I was convinced of it when I was telling Jared and Eric, I'd have people come to me and say, I never knew Christianity was this amazing. Man, I never knew the love of God was this deep. Man, I never knew what was really in my heart. Man, I never knew freedom could be this amazing. If you meditated on one truth a day, read through a bunch of chapters, you'd be shocked at what would happen. Or just meditate on him. I think there's things we can learn about spirituality from different movements that we need in the body of Christ. We're supposed to be spiritual in him, though. Like, when I go in the spirit, I'm in the Holy Spirit. Not, mine's one with his. That's different. He's that tangible, that real, but he is spirit. So, Nathan, thanks for bringing that to me. Um, Joyce, thanks for sharing that, by the way. So I just wanted to bring 
some clarity to that. Um, not that it needed to be, but I like what you said. I'm telling you, if you just spend 10 minutes in the morning and at night sitting in total silence, watching your thoughts, where they're going, you realize, my, my, my day, I am living out of a pre-programmed mindset. I don't even know it. Then what happens is you start to become aware of your thoughts. So the part of you that's aware of your thoughts is your spirit, who you really are. And all of a sudden, you'll have scripture bubble up from you. But you'll have an understanding of it. You see how... Your way, the way we've been grown up to understand is not the way you understand God. Analytic, intellectual... I'm not saying that stuff's bad. What I'm saying is that's not how you understand God. Because try that. So, let me give you an example of an analytical way to look at God. There's a guy in scripture that collects sticks on the Sabbath, and God tells Moses to stone him and his family to death. And then David commits adultery, kills her husband, and God doesn't kill him. Jesus tells us to love our enemies and do good to them and bless them. But in the Old Testament, you see God killing people. He tells David, I want you killing all their animals and all their kids. If you try to analytically understand God, you're going to be an absolute mess. This is a spiritual book with depths and layers to it that only the Spirit of God. Paul says, I'm going to read it to you. I didn't know I was going here, by the way. 1 Corinthians 2 says this, Among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it's not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. Interesting. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Listen to this. No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Do you see what I'm saying? We've got, 1 Peter says we're supposed to be a spiritual house. A spiritual people. What does that mean? Who are you really? Who is God? What is God? And what's going to happen is your mind's going to filter through all these stories you've been told about God. But what do you know about him from experience? Of connecting with him. Of knowing him intimately. Because there's times my kids will come to me and say, Mommy said this, and I know she didn't. And I'll catch him on it. Why do I know she didn't? Because I know her. How can I teach you what this says if I don't know the author of it? Do you know that the scriptures say you don't need any man to teach you? 1 John, New Testament, New Covenant. So why do we have teachers in the body of Christ? See, these are things that we got to think about. Because when the mind of Christ takes over and someone's truly teaching in the anointing, it's the same anointing that can teach you. It's not supposed to be a man up here teaching It's supposed to be a man under the anointing of the Holy Ghost teaching, spiritual things. 
spiritual wisdom. And by the way, the, um, <laughs> the way uh, Todd just texted me and said, so good, bro. So he must be watching. <laughs> this shows him. This is what I look into, right, to be seen? How's it going, Todd? <laughs> See, that's what I love about Todd, by the way. We were, we, we were talking about things in a drive home from that men's retreat that I'm not going to it's things that I'm wrestling with. And, and I could tell that Todd did not agree with things I was saying and processing. I could tell. In his, but he listened, and he was humble. And he just listened and let me process, and we talked about it. I'm telling you, when there's a truth revealed to the body of Christ, we quickly crucify people when it doesn't meet what we already have in here. Man, I long to hear things that aren't here yet. That's called Growing. If we sit around and teach the same things all the time and we're not growing in a deeper level of them, does that make sense? And you'll net, like, look at the way we do school. Kids sit in a classroom that are eight years old. We teach them science from a book. Think about that. They don't learn, we don't, in the West, we're not teaching people how to learn through experience. That'd be like me coaching a basketball team, and all I do is talk about basketball, and then we go to our first game. Hey, you guys know everything there is to know about it. Hey, coach, we've never touched a basketball. So you know, you got it all right here. Just do it. I will say something that's interesting, though, is they, this is interesting. They took 10 guys, and they had all, everybody was similar skill in basketball. It's how powerful the realm of the spirit is. They took 10 guys and said, for a half an hour, you're going to actually shoot. This is actually going to go against what I just said, kind of. So they have them shoot for 10, for 30 minutes, practice free throws. Then they took these other 10 guys and said, you are going to meditate. You're going to get in a meditative state and imagine yourself shooting free throws and making them. And when they brought the guys together and had them shoot, each guy shoot 10 shots, the results were the same. Both groups shot the same amount. Do you see why it says cast down vain imaginations? Do you see why Jesus says if you lust after a woman in your heart, you've already committed adultery? Because that realm is that real. And what we do is we set up this thing where if somebody actually acts on that, we judge, we judge, we judge. And it doesn't mean you don't call out things that aren't healthy. That is not going to give anybody life. All that shows is there's a pull of the flesh. You haven't ascended out of that. And the pull of the flesh is real. But the whole time Yeshua's saying... You're doing the same thing in your heart all the time, and there's no difference. It's the same thing. See how real that realm is that we are supposed to be living from? You know, the Bible says walk by the Spirit. How do we do that? Is that every moment of every day I ask the Holy Spirit to speak to me? What happens when I'm at work and I'm on the phone with a guy trying to rent him a crane? Hold on a second, man. Holy Spirit, speak to me. All right, I'm back. Hold on a second. Holy Spirit, you see how weird that can get? What's the answer? Well, how do we walk by the Spirit? The Bible says to live by the Spirit. Live by the Spirit. How do we do that? The Bible says to be filled with the Spirit continually. How do I do that? The Bible says to serve by the Spirit in Romans. The Bible, the Bible says to worship by the Spirit. 
That doesn't just mean singing in tongues. You can sing in tongues and it have nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. I already told you that. There's a tongues out there that's not of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then when, I, when Jess and I started getting the charismatic movement, we would hear this statement, this is a spirit-filled church. I said, Jess, that's not even biblical. I know what we're saying, but we're framing up things that aren't biblical. The Bible says to be continually filled with the Spirit. So you get baptized with the Holy Spirit. That doesn't mean you're always full of Him. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and your mind tell you it wasn't real. Anybody have that happen? Where you're speaking in tongues, you sound like a lunatic, and your mind's telling you that's not real. And then you stop. You see how the things of the Spirit are not, do not make sense here? And, and you see how Jesus related to people. Some people he told, sell everything. Do you know he didn't tell everybody that? What's he get? Why did he do that? You know what says that mature sons of God in Romans 8 and Galatians 3 are led by the Spirit of God? So can I, can I give you an example of something that offended my mind? You guys are looking at me like, please don't. <laughs> Todd, you're with me though, I hope, unless he turned it off already. So I'm in a store, and I'm in Lowe's, and I know when I go up to the counter, I'm supposed to ask this lady about her tattoos. So what I'm thinking in my intellectual mind is I'm going to lead her to Christ, which means to me I'm going to get her to say a prayer. And you know what that prayer is going to do? I'll probably never in my intellect think about that girl again, but it'll make me feel good. See, God will go to the very depths and motives of your heart. He'll ask you, if you're really in tune with him, he'll say, why are you reading your Bible right now, son? So I asked her about her tattoos, and you would have thought I asked her. She, she lit up. She starts talking to me about her tattoos, and in the middle of her telling me, my mind is going, you got to tell her about Jesus. you got to tell her about Jesus. Listen to me. My mind was telling me that that was not from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God told me the absolute opposite. The analytical mind won't make sense. And I know there's men that, are, that walk with God deeper than I do that would probably disagree, but I'm telling you, the Spirit of God told me, you need to be quiet and listen to her. Stop. Just listen to her, love her, and leave. But Mark, how will they know if they don't hear? Here's the thing. She's probably heard about a Jesus. He's been framed up for her. So when I say it, it goes back to that part of her mind. She wants nothing to do with the Jesus that's been framed up for her. Probably a Jesus that told her you shouldn't get tattoos. And this weirdo's asking you about him. And then he talks about Jesus. So I leave. I said, okay, yeah, I'm going to listen to her. I asked her more questions, got engaged, the conversation left. Got in the car. The Holy Spirit said, son, I'm so proud of you. Because you obeyed me, now I can come, I can come upon her in her car on her ride home. She has no idea what's in store for her. But, out of, but I'm, and I'm telling you, how often are we here? I got to get a word for somebody. I got to get a word for somebody. And we're walking around. It's here. The Holy Spirit might be telling you, you need to sit down. I got to break that in you. I don't want you saying a word. That's been my life for the past nine to ten months since I've left full-time ministry. I mean, I spoke with Todd up here sitting down, but I haven't done this. Guys, it's crazy. When God really transforms you and he kills things in you, you almost don't know how to function anymore. 
My whole life, I would sit when I was Isaiah's age, eight years old, six years old, I'd sit in a church service, open a hymn book, because that's what we had. It's a church that I grew up in, where you do the first, second, and fourth stanza, but you won't do the third one. You get a little creative in there, or you only do the third one. And you got those people that are, that are the only ones singing real loud, and everybody knows when they're there. Then you got the organ blasting, and the person playing the organ can't really hear everything, so they'll keep playing, it's just, that's what I grew up in. But I would preach from the Bible, or from the hymn book, as a six-year-old pretending that I'm preaching. When we would get together with my sister and my cousins, we would play church. I wanted to be a pastor, I wanted to be a pastor, I wanted to be a pastor, and guys, since leaving full-time ministry, that desire is not there anymore. So he had to kill something in me. And now I don't know how to, now you got to learn how to walk in this newness from a healthier place. So then I'm, I'm getting my hair cut, and for people that know me would know that I love this type of discussion. I'm getting my hair cut the other day, and this girl starts talking to me about different dimensions that she's learning about. I love that stuff. That stuff's real, by the way. The heavenly places. I know a man who was caught up into the third heaven, whether in his body or out, I don't know. Ezekiel gets pulled up from the lock of his hair. Isaiah ends up in a temple where the robe of Yahweh fills it. These are dimensions that are real. I'm seated in heavenly places. See, we like the Bible, but do you like when I say there's different dimensions that are real? By the way, your spirit can go there whether you're born from above or not. Because you were created in the image of God whether you're born from above or not. The problem is when you go without the spirit of God, it can get dangerous. People are really going, they're really experiencing things, guys. It's real. These people that get born again from these different religions, they'll say, I had a God that would come to me every night in my tent or my house and talk to me. Real. Real beings out there. Some are good, some are not. There's a real Elohim. There's a, really, there's a real council of gods that the Bible talks about. It's in there. They're not the most high God. So I'm sitting here. She's talking about dimensions. And again, that intellectual striving thing's coming in me. You've got to tell her about the dimension that Jesus lives in. And he's the door. And as I'm thinking that, again, the Holy Spirit says, be quiet and just listen to her and love her. So what God's training me in right now is you just need to be quiet sometimes and just love and listen. And next time that lady cut my hair, she was open to talk, by the way. See, sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Sometimes Jesus would heal by spitting on mud and putting it in their eyes. Sometimes he would heal by saying, I don't even need to go there, they're fine. Sometimes he would heal by speaking. He was led by the Spirit of God. He became one with him. He had to grow in wisdom and stature as a man. But he did it. And, and, and he had, you can say, well, he didn't have a sin nature. Neither do you if you're born from above, according to Scripture. Have you ever thought about this? The fruit of the Spirit is actually fruit of the work of the Holy Spirit. It has nothing to do with you. So when we talk about joy, you can't produce that in your life. You just got to be joyful. Good luck. That very mindset's going to keep you from the joy that the scriptures are talking about. I'm talking about joy where you're in a prison, you're beaten to almost death, and you can sing and praise God 
and then an earthquake comes, the cell doors open and you don't leave. You talked about that last week, I think. About the, God brought that to you, because we had an earthquake. Everybody remember that last week? That was interesting, huh? And guys, what, what I believe that Yahweh's doing too, at least for me and Jess, what he's teaching us is, man, you've got to become untethered from the systems of the world if you really want to bring the kingdom here. Because Christ doesn't live through the old Mark. It's not a, okay, Mark, if you give me 50, it's I have to die that he may live. And what he's desiring to do is build a group of people that are him, literally on the earth. That's the goal. And so if your path is being a plumber and someone else's path is being a missionary, there is no difference. Whoever walks their path by the Spirit of God, there, there is rewards and stuff. I'm, I'm trying to break this thing of, well, because what we do in the West is if somebody's passionate about God, we try to throw them in full-time ministry. When they may be called to run a business and have an impact on nations through the business. I work under a guy that's a Christian, and the environment he's created by being there is crazy. It's crazy. We go deliver food on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And, um, and I go with guys from work. Now, some of the guys from work are believers. Um, so we go to this lady's house, and we've been delivering to the, we deliver to the same people, and I love this family. And she comes out, and we've been able to pray for her son. This is during work I'm doing this stuff. Think about that. So, next, so we go there this one time, and I could tell she's not happy. And I'm like, what's going on? You're always so joyful. And she's like, my back's killing me. Now, the, you know how Paul says it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me? You know there's an I that can become religious. So the old Mark would, that's been programmed by charismatic movement will still want to pray healing, but I can do it out of my old self. Wrong motives, no power. You ever been there? That's another thing we've got to... Did Jesus ever pray for someone and them not get healed? Everybody that came to him, did he heal them? He, Acts 10, 38 says he was anointed by God and did good to all, healing all who were sick. So we've got to be able to say, how come we're not seeing that? And the answer isn't go striving and study more. The answer is Christ has to, I have to die. So more of him takes over. And the answer is not praying harder either. Like, God's going to listen if I pray harder. You guys, if you were to go to a restaurant and I were to say, you three, my kids, get on your knees and beg me. And when you beg me long enough, then I'll let you eat. You would all be like, you're an awful father. But we think he relates to us that way. Literally, we'll say, we got to pray harder. What do we mean by that? Because one prayer of faith does it. I think what we mean is we've got to get into the spirit in a place of faith, and then it's released. But I could pray all day and never get in faith. Have you ever been in a prayer meeting and you can feel it when you slip into the Spirit and that five minutes of being in the Spirit more got accomplished than the 45 where everybody's yelling and trying to work up the Spirit? I'm not being mean. I'm just being real. This stuff's real. We got to get free. 
or you're going to be living a miserable life thinking it's all dependent on you praying hard enough. And you, well, when, Here's another question. If we've got to pray hard enough, when do we know it's hard enough? When do we know that, we got to, that we've prayed enough? And by the way, the proof of faith, Dan Moeller says this, is not when you speak to the mountain, it's when the mountain moves. So we go to this lady's house, and I'm walking up to her, and I just knew, and I just felt such compassion, which Jesus would feel. It's by the Spirit, so I knew I got to pray for her back. So I said, hey, I don't know um, what your beliefs are on healing, and it doesn't even really matter. I just really want to release healing into your back. She's like, I would love that. And then I knew... You need to lay your hand on her. Well, guys, with the way the world is right now, you try to lay your hand on someone, they'll, get you, they'll throw you in jail for that right now with COVID, right? So I said, I don't know where you're at with the COVID thing, um, but I feel like I'm supposed to lay my hand on your back. Absolutely, I would love if you do that. And guys, it wasn't a, it wasn't a strive. It was just a simple releasing healing over her, and I see this blue light just come over her. And I knew the Holy Spirit just came all over this lady. And I don't even remember what I prayed, but it was not like, and Lord, I declare this over her, and da-da-da. It was a simple like, thank you, Lord, you love her so much. Man, you're alive in me, and I just release, I release healing into your back. And we were with a new couple that was coming from a church I don't think believes in this, and they were watching us. All that stuff's trying to go through the intellect. That's why being still is so powerful, because you can just let it go. You don't, if I'd engaged with that, I'm leaving spirit. Does that make sense? You don't think I was getting attacked about what are they going to say, what are they thinking? I got a buddy that I don't know if he knows the Lord. He's standing right there watching me do this that I work with every day. It's not like we went on a mission, you know, he's in another country, I'll never see him again. I saw him the very next day. And he's probably looking at me like, what, who is this guy? But, so we get done and she goes, oh my word. And she's like, I got goosebumps all over me. And she just starts bawling. I said, yeah, I saw the Lord. That's the Lord, he came all over you. So then we leave, and when we get in the car, she comes sprinting out of her house. Wait, 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 wait. Rolled down the window. Her eyes were like this. My back is completely healed. My back feels amazing. Now, they may think you're weird when you're praying, but then when somebody gets healed, then they think you're really weird. And guess what? When they're in pain, they're going to come to you. Sounds a lot like Yeshua lived. Guys, I was tempted in that moment to live out of the old mark. I Thoughts were bombarding me. We've got to get separate from our thoughts. That's what it means to go into the heart. That's what it means to live out of the spirit. The first step is you've got to be aware of your thoughts. What are you thinking? And stop living out of them, even good ones. The Bible says you're transfigured by the renewing of your mind. The Bible doesn't say... You're transfigured when you renew your own mind. You can't do it. By the way, renew is brand new. It's a brand new consciousness way of thinking. It's the mind of Christ. Then I had thoughts of what is my buddy thinking, and then, of course, you know what other thoughts come. What if it doesn't work? But what's crazy is by simply learning to meditate and be still, like Joyce was talking about, those thoughts have lost a lot of their power. And I'll see things happen now in the earth realm as a result of something I'm thinking. Little, little weird things where you just are, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. 
that pure in heart doesn't mean that, you're, that you don't ever do anything immoral. The pure in heart is a single heart. When you are dominated by your thoughts, you're never... By the way, let me read this to you really quick. I, w- I thought I was going to talk about love today, which I think this all is love, right? But James chapter 1, I'm just going to read this to you really quick. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. That person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. This is New Covenant, New Testament. Does it say because they're sinning they don't receive from the Lord? Does it say because the Lord's not willing to give? It says because they're in doubt, they're double-minded. When we live out of different thought streams, we're not single-hearted, we will not see God. We may see an image of God that's created out of our own mind. Do you realize that when God gives you a word, you even need God to interpret what that word means to you? Right? Let's say tomorrow I have a vision of me starting a church. That doesn't mean I'm supposed to start a church. I have no idea what that. He has to reveal what it means to me. You see how dependent I am to not live out of here? Proverbs 3 says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your what? And that means your own way of understanding too. I'm telling you guys, the way we've been taught to understand is not the way spirit things work. Jess and I were told by the Spirit of God to sell our house in Florida and move to North Carolina. We had no idea what we were going to do. I left a good job, left everything. It made no sense here. When I was told to leave the church, I just recently left. It made no sense here. None. Have you ever taken a job that was way less money because the Lord told you to? <clears throat> Jess and I moved from Florida to New York once and we took a two-third cut in our salary. That makes no sense here. And what if the Lord's telling you to do that so we can kill this? You know he called those prophets to do some weird stuff? In, in here, Ezekiel, go lay over human feces, which was... Not at all what you do in that culture, by the way. He was destroying the religious culture off of Ezekiel so Ezekiel could be his prophet, his priest, not a priest of the system. That's a big word right there. And I'm telling you, as a body, we've got to allow Todd to be Todd and not bound by a system that he's under. And I don't know if he's going to get mad at me saying, I don't care. That's, I feel the Lord so strong in that because you have no idea how many leaders are bound by what we call church. Because we expect everything, especially at a smaller church. If I'm in an argument with Yerick, why do I need Todd to solve that? Why do I go to Todd and tell him Yerick's treating me bad? Right? You know that's totally unbiblical? But then we'll call other people out. Yerick's being unbiblical, Todd. He's being mean to me. You're being unbiblical. Go to him and talk to him about it. We put, I just really felt that word strong. And that's for all of us, too, to be tied to any system that has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. You know what the kingdom of God is? It's the rule and reign of God on the earth. That's great. What in the world does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to have no trouble? It sounds like it. You know what the kingdom of God is, according to Paul? It's power, number one. It's not words, it's power. And he says, by the way, in 1 Corinthians, 
I don't speak with plausible words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of power, so their faith rests on the power, not on the words. That's in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, The kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. So what's the kingdom of God? It's power. Number two, Romans. Says, The kingdom of God is righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Spirit. So how do we function in the kingdom? It's by and in the Holy Spirit. That's where the kingdom is. It's an invisible kingdom. It's real. But the reality of it, when we come from spirit and step into this realm, will manifest here. And it'll look like physical healing. It'll look like love, joy, and peace in a home. Doesn't mean there's no conflict, but it means the conflict is navigated through love, joy, and peace. Could you imagine if God allowed us all in this room to be filled with the fullness of God continually for this week, how many people would come to us and ask us what we know and want it? Have you ever thought about that? Have you looked at people lately? And I know it's hard to see people now because of the mask thing. All you do is see there, you have no idea. And no one will look at you. Try to do I was at the mall yesterday and it was nuts. No one's looking at each other. Everybody's afraid of it. You get even close to them and they're... Can you imagine if you walked around with true joy? I'm not talking about being weird. I'm talking about real, real joy. Can you imagine the kingdom of God is immovable? It's unshakable. Guys, you realize that all the systems of the world are being, the world are being shaken right now. And if your Christian life depends on you being able to meet here on a Sunday... How deep have you gone with the Lord? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't stand up and say, hey, if we can go get in an airplane or we can go meet at a mall, why can't we meet? I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is if you're desperate for this, you should just be overflowing when you come here. This, this, what, when, the, when you're full of the Spirit of God, you sing psalms and hymns to one another. Katie and Brandon should be up here and be like, wow, we're not even singing. They're singing so many other songs right now, and the Spirit of God's just, that can happen. And then all of a sudden, we'll start having authority on the earth. Why? Because we're becoming like him. Why would you have authority on the earth if, you're not, if you don't have his heart? You know that it says he's been given the name above all names after he laid down his life? Philippians 2, that's another deep truth. Read that. He laid down his life made himself of no reputation, laid down his life. Therefore, God gave him the name above all other names. Now he has all authority. When you... Why would God give you a word of knowledge for someone if you don't love them? You know there's times when you'll get a word of knowledge just because you're growing in spirituality and you're not supposed to share it. Some of the hardest lessons I've learned is when God told me, you're going to sit in this meeting, I'm going to give you all the answers to the stuff they're talking about, and you're not allowed to say a word. God doesn't do that. Yeah, he does, because he's more concerned about me becoming like him. That's hard. You know all the answers to everything that they're arguing about and talking about, and you're not allowed to say a word. And as we mature and we're led by the Spirit, there comes a point where you become one with him, and you live so much out of your spirit that's one with him that it's no longer about getting words from him. You become the word. The word becomes flesh in you. That's what he's after. That's a disciple, by the way. A disciple is somebody who thinks like Jesus, believes like Jesus, feels like Jesus, and lives like Jesus. A disciple is not someone who knows the scriptures and tries to follow Jesus in their own strength. 
You can't do it unless you think like him. Do you realize Jesus could walk into a room and make it real awkward and not care? Like the last time with the disciples, he says, want to use a devil? What if I said that this morning? Guys, man, the Lord, I've been praying this morning. He's all over me. One of you in here is a devil. How weird would it get in this room right now? And these are his closest friends, and it didn't bother him. He wasn't moved by anybody's emotions, feelings. He was full of kindness, but kindness and being nice are different. Nice is, I'm not going to tell you the truth because I'm afraid you're going to get mad at me. That's not kindness. Anyway, I'm done. I don't know if you tried to take notes. I don't really feel like I, I was all over the place, but that's how I flow. You'd rather have that than me come up with a three-point thing anyway. You'd be more bored than maybe you are now if you are bored, but that's okay. But it's time to start bringing spirituality in the Holy Spirit back. See, we, we're not going just in the Spirit. We're going in the Holy Spirit. Like, that's powerful. You know, the whole book of Revelation was written in the Spirit. So how should we interpret it? In the spirit. Hmm. I was in the spirit. He says this. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Then I went in the spirit even deeper. By the way, all the spiritual talk. Well, Mark, how does, this does no earthly good. No, it makes you earthly absolutely incredible. Because all the pulls of the ego and all the pulls of the flesh have no control over you anymore. You're free from it. Because you're living from a different dimension. Lust can't even touch you anymore. It's the only way. Or we're going to try to live by the, the, the things that this world's dominated by. You can live above it. But you Christianity is simply a relationship lived by the Spirit. Christians means little anointed ones. You know that? What's it mean to be a son of God? 